0: Welcome to the FaithBridge Sermon Podcast. Be sure to keep watching immediately after the sermon for Postscript, a weekly podcast with in-depth content and answers to your questions submitted during the sermon. You can also find it on iTunes or at faithbridge.org slash postscript.
1: My name is Ronnie Anderson. I've been at FaithBridge since about 1998. My prayer journal is about the fifth version of me writing and journaling my prayers and learning and just trying to get better at praying over the past 15 or 16 years. I started so I would get out of a mode of just almost mindlessly going through a rehearsed prayer. I was had the Lord's Prayer memorized and I would just kind of go through a routine of family names and then I'd catch myself thinking about other things. So once I started writing prayers down, started rewriting the Lord's Prayer over and over, started writing down names of my family members, my kids, God would impress on my heart something that might be a point of need for them. And then I would camp out on that you know, particular thing for a little while. Um, so the more I wrote down, the more I felt I was in communication with God. And the more I did that, the more there was kind of this, this circle of, uh, of feeling His presence, His word and then applying scripture to some of the things that I was praying for. And uh, it just became a great, uh, a great thing that I just, I don't wanna, you know, it's by my side at all times. This has been fun uh, working with my curious group. We started out in a discipleship book and when we got to the chapter on prayer, we pulled over for a little while. We started walking through how each one of them could build a prayer journal. It's been great because now they're making lists of people and things to pray about they never thought of. You know, pray for your older brother, older sister, and, and what would you pray for them? Um, so we'd go through examples of that. Ask for them to come up with their top five, and top five meaning the five people that they honestly do not like to be around. And could you start, could you really pray for them? And And we went through an exercise of each one of those, listing those names, and going through examples of not only praying for them, but praying for their own patience to deal with them and then how they can be a light for them to come to know Christ. I'll have one of them come up to me and, and proudly tell me, hey I led our team prayer and soccer or I prayed over someone who got hurt in the hallway or I prayed for a teacher that I can't stand. Another one said that he had felt calmly relieved when he had written down all of his sins. He knew them in his head. He's never said them or confessed them, but when he went through and wrote them down, um, he felt like he was forgiven. When I'm not in my prayer journal or if I'm not spending the time I need to or if I just touch it lightly in the morning and then just move off to something else, I feel my day is is in a little more disarray, but the consistency gets better all the time. My goal is every morning to spend time in this first thing and, and most of the time I'm able to do it and by having this as a reminder on my desk or in my arms that when I get to my office or when I, before I leave the house in the morning, I stop and that's where I, I, I start my day and it's, and it's opened up a lot of conversations about a prayer. And it's and it's led to situations where people have asked to be added to the prayer list. Would you play, pray for my kid? Would you pray for my wife, for my husband, and so on. And so I'll add to that as well. Over the course of learning more about prayer, I've learned more about God and I've learned more about the Bible. And it's made it easier to spend more time with them. So the more the more I pray, the easier it gets to to pray. And through that I start to communicate with them more and start asking and working on what I can do to be a better servant of him and what I can do to be more about bringing his glory to others through prayer.
2: Yeah, how about that? Praise the Lord. Good story. Good morning. Welcome. Whether you are an experienced follower of Jesus, maybe trying to experiment with prayer journals and such like Ronnie just illustrated, or whether you're here and you're just brand new and you're not even sure what you believe and you're just kind of exploring or seeking and welcome to you and anywhere all across the continuum, uh, we're just really glad that you're here. So last week, we started in on this series that we're calling Resolve for More. And if you weren't here, let me just kind of catch you up briefly with what we talked about. We talked about how there's kind of a problem with a lot of followers of Jesus, especially American Christianity. And that problem is, is characterized this way. Over here, you have The beliefs of Christianity, the great beliefs, the truths of Christianity, that there's a one true God and that he one day became man, Jesus, and that that man, Jesus, lived the life of perfection. We couldn't live and then died on the cross for our sins and then rose from the grave, signifying that we too who connect ourselves to him, we will rise triumphantly and we'll have life abundant and everlasting, right? These are the beliefs of Christianity. Many of you, even when I run through, you're like, yep, check, check, check. I believe those things. Why then, if you believe those things, do you spend so much time worrying about how you look? Or if you're weighing too much? Or what size dress you're wearing? Or if you're popular enough? Or if you're earning enough money? Or if you're getting the corner office? Why do you worry about these things? If you've really... Become a person of these transforming beliefs that will be true 500 years from now. And why then are you so still captured by this stuff that is here and now, not 500 years from now? In other words, how do I bring my beliefs and my behavior or my being together? How do I get my beliefs being, my behavior tethered to my beliefs, how do I bring those into conformity with each other? And we talked about how last week it, there's only really one way to do it, and that is through what Christians have called for centuries um, the practices, the Christian practices, or the Christian disciplines, or the holy habits, or rhythms. They're, they're called different things, over the years. They're all signifying the same things. And it's only through building these. This, this, this is the only bridge that really exists to bring the two together, is these rhythms, these habits. Otherwise, you'll have these beliefs over here and you're being over here and never the two shall meet. And that's a real problem. And so the first habit that we took up or rhythm or discipline that we took up last week was this rhythm <clears throat> that is daily Bible reading, right? We talked about... How important it is to spend some time with the Lord daily reading from his word. And I gave you a little tool for the toolbox. And I've been so excited by how many of you have, even this morning, have said, I tried that and it worked. Like, you're like, oh my gosh, all these years. And it was like right there. Wonderful. If you weren't here, you go back and watch that one and kind of pick up on some of those tools that we talked about in week one. Today, I want to go on and I want to talk about the second habit or the second rhythm or practice um, that we're going to take up in this series. And that is the rhythm or the habit or the practice or the discipline of prayer. Now, I know what happens right when I say the word. Any number of you are like, ah, see, I'm bad at that one too. Because, you know, we all tend to think of ourselves as sort of neophytes and rookies and beginners. And that's, I, my prayer line, I mean, that's impressive. That thing that he's doing, I mean, oh my gosh. I've never, I'm like light years away from, from having a prayer journal or anything. I mean, I believe in it. I think you ought to do it. And I know some people do it. and But I don't do that. And I think many of us sort of grab the parachute and just jump out of the plane and say, well, so I'm out on this one. You know, I just, I'm not a praying kind of of person. What I want to point out to you is something that I was thinking about this past week, and that is something about the 12 disciples. You remember the, the 12 that surrounded Jesus, sort of went with him and everything? Now, what do we know about the disciples, those original 12 disciples? We know a reasonable amount, about half of them. Peter, James, John, Matthew, certainly Judas, maybe Thomas the doubter, and, but then the person of great faith. And, but you start working down the list towards the bottom half, and the hard data really thins out. We don't know a whole lot about the 12 disciples, really. But we do know this. That everyone thought of them as ordinary, unschooled people. In fact, the religious leaders of the day—if you had pulled them and, and said, "Do you think that this man with these twelve, do you think they're going to go out and change the world?" The religious leaders of the world of of, of that of that part of the world back then were like, "No, not those guys. They are ordinary." Unschooled people, fishermen and other day laborers. I mean, it's no, they're not gonna change the world. There's no well. Wait. Now, the reality is many of us hearing my voice right now, whether it's a Klein campus, wooden campus, online, many of us are less ordinary and more schooled than those disciples were. Any number of us, if you're already 18 you or more, you, you probably finished high school. And any number of you, you went on to college. You got a bachelor's. Some of us went on, got, you got master's or even doctorates, okay? So what I'm trying to say is, is many of us hearing my voice today we tend to think, I'm so ordinary, I'm just bad at it. But you got to remember, who was Jesus starting with? He was starting with even more ordinary, unschooled people than most all of us. And yet, we know from history that after they had spent those years together, those disciples went charging out to the four corners of the world and they did change the world and they did bring the gospel. And here we are today, roundaboutly as recipients of that through the generations it was passed down. And here we are today because of those 12 disciples who did not know up from down spiritually when Jesus started in with them. So what made the change? What transformed them? I'll tell you. Time spent with Jesus. That's what transformed them. That's what changed them. I mean, they were with him pretty much 24 7 for three years. They'd walk around through the wheat fields and they'd you know go out on the boat and they were just always with him. They'd pitch their you know tents or sleeping bags underneath the stars and they'd lie there and talk. And and so they were always with him and they and they're learning from him and they're hearing him speak into their lives. And they're hearing kind of how he processes problems that were arising. And, and so they're just drawing near to, they're spending time with them. And even after he had risen from the dead and goes back to heaven, we know <clears throat> that they continued to grow spiritually into these world transforming people. Why? How? Because they continue to spend time with Jesus through prayer, accessing him through the power of, his holy spirit they continued on in that relationship and what i have just been pondering uh, about this is okay if jesus could take those kind of guys change the world with them because he just brought them near and they spent time together then just think what he might be able to do with us. I'm not saying that you or I will ever be a world changer, but we might be able to push the darkness back a little bit, that we might become a little bit more transformed into the likeness of Christ. Why is time with Jesus so important? It's important for the same reason that time with my wife, Suzanne, is important. It's, that's the very reason that, that we have a standing date night every Tuesday evening. In fact, this past Tuesday, soon after lunch, I was sitting in my office, I was doing some work and I was I just had this kind of happy feeling. I was like, "Why what's going on?" And I remembered tonight is date night. I get to be with Suzanne and I knew that she'd picked out some new movie because she's always picking out a new movie that she wants to see and I want to see and, and we we're going to use our gift card that we got from Saltgrass for um, Christmas. And we we're just going to get to be together and kind of check in with each other and hear what's going on, what are you noticing in, in the family and the boys and you know, life and God and all this kind of stuff. And <clears throat> there's something about just being together that is good the couple's souls right otherwise remember how we talked about the tree last week and and how that big tree toppled over and why because the root system had gotten trampled and just got withered up and died and I think a lot of people in their own marriages if they're not careful we can we can our root system with each other starts to get withered up and drying right and there's just something about spending time with that spouse where you're talking and and processing and laughing and and you know that keeps the nourishment flowing in our souls between that relationship and <clears throat> so for that matter what I'm talking about it that's that's why you know periodically a couple times a year usually she and I will will go away if, if not far, even just to a hotel downtown or to a hotel in the woodlands, just to have an extra night or two, where we can just do it for 24, 40, 48, 48 hours, just just having more time to check in, and and what begins to happen: you spend time with that person that you love, you you begin to remember. This is why I married you. This is why I love you. This is why you make me laugh, and da-da. and and all of the things that can can begin to trample. Uh, upon our souls in life and make our souls wither even in marriage are are brought back to life right you say okay that's good but no wait are you talking about marriage are you talking about prayer what 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 are you talking about i'm talking about well both but really i'm talking about prayer i'm just trying to do it in terms that you and i can relate to with a person and and that's exactly what jesus is saying i want you to come close to me because I have things I want to say to you, and I want to hear what's, what's on your heart. And you're just, your life is just going at such a frenetic pace, and you're just going here and there. And you just and boy, I, I really, the Lord says, I, I'd love to just have some time with you. But many of us, we just don't make the time, do we? And the problem I think that many of us have in this prayer realm is um, there's nothing there's just not much going on beneath the water line. Now let me explain what I'm talking about there. Okay, so maybe the marriage word picture doesn't work as well for you. Maybe you're not married or whatever or brings bad memories. Or, so so let's, let's change metaphors. I was thinking about a, a ship, like a, a, a big hulking cruise ship or battleship. And what do we know about any great ship? We know that what you see above the waterline is not all that exists, right? In fact, you 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 got to go dozens of feet beneath the waterline to find really the bottom of that boat's hull. And why is it? Because these these kind of ships are tall. Yeah, I mean, they go up many decks. It's the same sort of thing as a skyscraper. What do we know about a skyscraper? There's more going on underneath. I mean, they got to go down 10 stories with foundation that's underneath to hold this thing upright. And that's how it is with any kind of big uh, boat, any kind of big ship. There's a lot of boat underneath the surface. Now contrast that to a canoe. What do you know about a canoe? Well, if you've ever been on one, you know, you, you better not even sneeze because that thing's going to topple over. And, and, and why does that work? Because I don't know much about physics, but I, I know this, and that is, there's about that much of the canoe under the water. Pretty much everything that exists is atop the water. And so that's why you got to hold still and learn how to do this real calmly or else you, you're going over. Now, let me ask you the question that I ask myself periodically, is my soul more like a wispy canoe? There's nothing going on underneath the surface that isn't visible to other people. Or do I have a lot more going on beneath the soul? And what people are seeing on the visible, above the surface level, is just the overflow of what's going on underneath here. Because I'll tell you the problem. If your soul, if my soul, becomes perpetually like this canoe, then the problem is, you're just one proverbial sneeze away from spiritual disaster. I think this is why you, you, you and I see so many people who profess to be Christians. And, and then it's like, they did what? What did you, t- you are kidding me. I mean, I saw him at church just two weeks ago. I saw her. What are you, you cannot be serious. How could, but I know that they believe that God and Jesus and, oh, no, no, no. It's not a question of belief. It's that their beliefs have nothing to, have not dropped into the slightest bit of their soul yet. There's nothing going on beneath the surface. This is, the, this is the problem that all of us potentially wrestle with. But it's also the hopeful reality that all of us can move into, that we can be transformed from canoes into great ships. How do we get there? Time with Jesus, the same way the, the disciples got there. Just time spent with Jesus. It doesn't have anything to do with your education. You're going. I didn't go to Bible college. I didn't go to seminary. That doesn't matter. Neither do those guys. And Jesus took them, and they spent time together, and they transformed the world. Now I know what goes on in many of our minds when I, you can talk about this subject of prayer. You're like, okay, well I. I get what you're saying and the pictures work and I don't want to be a canoe and but, but even just when I think about it, I'm like, what if I just were like to go sit down and talk to the, like, I don't even, I think like I could get it all take, wrapped up in like 30 seconds. And if so, then, <laughs> well, I'll just tell you what happened in my life some years ago when I was feeling that and said that, and a trusted friend said to me, see, here, here's the situation, Ken. You are thinking of your relationship with God sort of like that symbol. A- and you're thinking, that's, that's my life. I mean, that's, that's everything I would have to ever need to talk about with him. And I can't imagine he'd have anything more than that. And I think we could take care of business probably in 60 seconds flat. Boom. You know, and, and, and the, because they just, they just, that's, that would contain everything. Well, let me show you what will happen. Let's work with that. Let's say, okay, we're just gonna work with that. That's, that's as much of me as I'm in touch with, and that's as much of you, God, as, as I'm in touch with, so let's just do business at this level. I'm bringing all of me to you, and I, I wanna pour out my problems and my confusions and my worries, and, and I want you to fill me up with your spirit and your word, and your guidance. I, I need that. You show up faithfully and you do that for a week. You know what will happen? All of a sudden you'll begin to discover this thimble isn't quite going to contain my relationship with God anymore. Now you'll instead say, you know, I think I need more like a cup. Maybe just a few more minutes because especially now that I started doing the the SOAP thing, I I actually, like, I, I think he told me something. It's like, Imagine that. And, and so he spoke to me th- through his word, and that gives me more things that I've been thinking about, and, and, and maybe five extra minutes or ten extra minutes. And because I think I might need that to, to hold my relationship um, with God. Well, good. You know what will happen? You keep showing up and you keep pouring out your life, your concerns, your children, your marriage, your work, your. Money, you know, just tell him everything, and then you read from his word, and you you let him speak to you and fill you up with the touch of his spirit and the wisdom of his word, and you know what will begin to happen? This cup will start to get filled up, and what used to be containable in a little bitty thimble now is not even containable in this cup. Then, after a few weeks, you show up and you say, you know what? I think my soul is growing. And I think I got to have a little bit more, maybe a little bit more uh, time and because there's just, it's just like this relationship is, I'm, I'm kind of coming alive spiritually and I've got things I want to talk about with the Lord. And uh, maybe I started experimenting with a little prayer journal like the video was talking about. And, and now it takes a whole picture to, to, to contain this relationship you know what'll happen? You keep showing up and you let him fill you with the wisdom of his word and the touchings of, your, of his spirit. And, and you'll begin to say, you know what? Even that isn't gonna contain it anymore. <laughs> There's just so much. Now, when I was first dating Suzanne, I remember uh, we were a long distance relationship when we uh, first started out. She was in Florida and I was over here. And the first time, so we, we talked by phone and um, that's and email, and that's kind of how we, we started getting to know each other. And, um, but you know, what happened is over the course of, of, oh, not very long, just several weeks, you know, one little short phone call, went to a little longer phone call, went to a little longer phone call. Went, and one day, I remember I hung up and we had talked seven hours on the phone. Now, if you had told me several months prior, prior, you will talk to this lady seven hours on the phone, I would say then one of us is highly inefficient. There's a, there's a problem here. That is surely not going to happen. But it surely did happen. Why? Because our relationship was growing. Our souls were growing together. And it just seemed like there was more and more to talk about. And, you know, it, it, everything began to began. To change from there. Now, some of you, even right now, you're hearing that, and you're saying, you know, that that really, uh, that kind of character. I've actually lately have been a thimble, but there have been points in my life where I really had my soul had grown like a cup or or a pitcher, or even the big thing, and and but it's it's kind of like I've kind of gotten out of touch with God, and it, things maybe shrank. Uh, back a little bit, what you got for me? Well, let me give you this uh, picture. So periodically, uh, Suzanne will say to me in private, she'll say, you know, I think um, Wesley, he's our 12-year-old, or William, he's our nine-year-old, whichever one it is that's on her heart and radar screen, He needs a little bit more of dad. Really? Yeah. How do you believe that is the... Well, I mean, I can look at the time you've gotten to spend with him lately, that's like a measurable thing, but have you noticed he's being a little bit disrespectful Uh, or a little short in his words, and I just think he needs some of daddy time. So, I've learned through years of trying it the other way not to be defensive and to justify and tell everything that I do so well. and, and But just to say, you know, I, I probably do need to spend some extra time uh, with him. So maybe I'll say to one of the boys, uh, whichever, I'll say, hey, son, you know, tomorrow Saturday, and I know you got that uh, that gift card to Academy. And I was thinking, how about tomorrow we'll go to Academy and you can buy the or the glove or whatever it is that you you were saying that you really wanted to get with that gift card okay Dad. so we'll get in the car and we won't even be out of the neighborhood before the silence breaks and he'll start to talk a little bit it's like dad do you think that a cheetah or a hummingbird can go faster. And I well, you're gonna have to tell me the answer to that one, you know? And, <laughs> and, and <clears throat> But, you know, from there, we, I say, but isn't it interesting that God made both the cheetah and the hummingbird? and what else are you learning, and what else are you reserving, and these sorts of things. And, and, you know, or we might talk about sports or, or whatever, and we get up to the academy and we buy the deal that he wanted to buy, and, and then usually, you know, maybe one of us will say, hey, how about let's get a hamburger? And so we'll go and we'll sit down and have a little lunch, and then maybe there's a football game on the screen, and we'll talk about whatever teams are, you know, who do you think is going to go to the Super Bowl? And, you know, well, it, it's, we know who's not going now. And. <laughs> But they hung in there, didn't they? Until well into the third quarter. So, um, so hey, they weren't embarrassing. But anyhow, so so we'll <clears throat> um, we'll 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 be just talking about those sorts. Of, and then by the time we get home from lunch, uh, you know, I'll say, hey, why don't we go play with the thing that you we just got? You know, or he'll say that to me, and we'll go out and and throw the ball or shoot the baskets or you know whatever it is and by that evening there is a settledness in his soul and characteristically by bedtime Suzanne will say hey thanks for the time that you spent with our son um I can already tell his his tank feels filled up again thanks dad Now, the analogy that I'm making right here breaks down at this point. And that is that uh, I'm not a perfect dad. I got to have somebody who's prompting me. But we do have a perfect father in heaven who needs no prompting, who needs no reminding about you and you and you and me. He needs no reminder. You know, the, the reality is he's showing up. He's like, I got some time for you. Maybe this morning, maybe over lunch, maybe this evening. The question being begged is, do you have time for the father, the creator of the universe? Do you, are you making time to be with him? That's the real question that I think we have to um, wrestle with. My hope is that uh, through our time today, we would come not only to a point of uh, resolve saying, "I, I, I need to make, I want to make this time to be with him. And I will, but there's still one thing that then we need to talk about. Well, what then will I talk about? Let me see if I can demystify uh, the prayer life a little bit for you. Sort of the way that I tried to do personal Bible reading last week. Um, I would say a couple of things. I find, th- th- this is my personal testimony, I find it particularly helpful to have a, a place that I go at a time that I go. Sort of like I have a date night with my wife and it's kind of know this is gonna come a daily time where I know I'm going to, I'm going to go here because there's not distractions and there's not noise. And, you know, I can kind of be by myself and I can, uh, sit where I'm, you know, in my prayer chair or whatever. And so let me just kind of illustrate that again in our closing minutes, the way I tried to illustrate last week. Um, and, um, so answering this question that, that, uh, People say, well, like, where do I like start in? Realize the disciples asked Jesus the same thing. That's an okay question. You remember how in uh, Matthew 6 and Luke 11, they said, Jesus, teach us how to pray. He said, okay. He said, start by saying, Father. He's a good father. Hallowed be thy name. Now, in a word, what is that? That's what you call adoration or worship. Father, here I am on January. 15th 2017. Two years ago today, January 15th 2015, I nearly died. But you orchestrated no less than a dozen serendipitous providential things that happened and you got me to Dr. Solomon that day and you rescued me and here I am and I'm in better shape than I've been in years and I'm doing wonderfully and you are a good father. You're sovereign. You are in charge. If I ever wondered, is God possibly in charge? I'll always go back in my mind to that day and to what you did and I'll say, oh, God is in charge. Trust me. I love you, God. Now, that's my prayer. Why don't you just take a moment? You close your eyes, or if you want to, if you find it helpful to write so your brain doesn't wander off you, why don't you just think of something that you might worship and adore the Father uh, for? Maybe it's just even your salvation, the fact that He sent Jesus. to to die for your sins, that you might have life. He's rescued you eternally. Or maybe you have some other number of things that you might say, this is a good place to start. Why don't you just take a moment and do that right now? Then Jesus said to his disciples and to us. Now, after that. Try this, say, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Now, what is that in a word? It's surrender. It's it's just sort of raising the white flag of surrender and saying, now, God, I want you to know. You are great and awesome and the one true God and you've sent Jesus to save us and on and on. And so I'm just just raising my hands in surrender before we even really get too far into this because I suspect you may have something you want to say to me or challenge me about or something I need to confess a little bit later or repent of or something I need to go make right with another person. Um, And I just want you to know thy kingdom come... Thy will be done. I'm surrendered to whatever it is that you you might give me the nudging for. Why don't you just right now in your own seat where you're sitting, whether your eyes are open or closed, why don't you just have a moment of prayer of surrender right now? Then Jesus says, the next thing he says, give us this day our daily bread. What is that? Well, in a word, it's asking. Give us our daily bread. There is a a personal and a... uh, a corporate, or a, let's call it a combined, aspect to this. Give us our daily bread. That, that's that's going to include me. Sometimes people are a little bit. They, I I don't pray for myself. Oh yes, you should. But not just me. Give us our daily bread. And and so, Lord, this is going to be a big week. For our nation. Uh, Tomorrow you got Martin Luther King Day. Thank you, God, for the leadership. That he brought several decades ago. For the correction course that our nation has moved towards. In the recent decades, but we're we're not there yet, there's There's still big divides. And so I'm asking, Lord, that you would continue to move us forward as a people, as a nation, and cleanse our minds from um, divisive, uh, racist sorts of thought patterns. Uh, And thank you for the man that you created in MLK and for the courage that he demonstrated. It's going to be a big week also because then on Friday we're going to have a new president. And Lord, we just, I pray for him. I listen to some people and they are just so happy and pleased and excited and I listen to others and they're near terrified and I kind of go all over the place uh, it, it's, he's kind of unpredictable and he's never led would led businesses but he's never led a nation and this is big <clears throat> Lord I just pray for him I pray you'll give him wisdom I pray that the people who end up surrounding him will be wise people and that he'll listen to them and, uh, and that you'll bless our nation. And the Congress, and the Senate, and the same, Lord. And so I just pray for our nation. Well, there, right here, I just illustrated a couple of ways of just coming to the Lord and asking for him to, to break through. Then Jesus said, give us this day our daily bread and Forgive us our debts, as we forgive our our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. What is this? This is just asking the. This is coming to the Lord, saying, "Lord, I need your forgiveness because I am not perfect either, and I got hurts and habits and hangups and problems and." And I, I need your forgiveness. Um, I need it personally. And then he says, as we forgive those who sin against us. And I need to give it personally. He's saying, hey, you, you're going to come and you're going to confess your sins and you're going to trust in his grace that he forgives you your sins just the way you forgive those who've wronged you. Ooh, that's plenty right there, right? Oh, but remember, we already surrendered. said, whatever you tell me, I'm going to release the grudge. I'm not going to hold it against that person anymore. I'm, I'm going to cancel the debt. Um, why don't you just even right now, before we come to the end, why don't you just confess? I just put that word in here in case you're taking notes. That confession and forgiveness kind of come together, don't they? Why don't you just confess to the Lord right now what it is that you need forgiveness for or who you need to forgive? He says, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. What is that? In a word, protection. Protect me, Lord. I'm going to face who knows what today. Uh, temptations to think evil thoughts, to say evil things, to do inappropriate actions. Lord, won't you protect me? Uh, lead me not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Why don't you just pray protection right now. Over your life, sure, but maybe your family, your children, your spouse, if you have a spouse, special other, why don't you just pray for them protection right now. Now, what I want to uh, say here in closing is what I hope you've come to realize even in these moments prayer is accessible it is something you can get to sure you'll have to carve out a little time but we carve out times for the the things that matter don't we in our lives you carve out time to brush your teeth and take a shower and I mean, why well it kind of matters and and so my challenge to you today is when are you going to do this and then once you have the when now you have some hows. and my hope and my prayer is that as we go into this second week of the campaign that you will say okay this is really good. My soul is starting to come to life. I've actually experimented some with the SOAP. I didn't get there every day, but I got there several days. And I, and now I'm going to start to experiment a little bit more with this prayer uh, portion and see if as we move towards next week, and we'll take up one more habit next week, our rhythm, our practice, see if we can't bring our beliefs, and our being, our behavior together. Let's pray. Lord, my prayer is for every person hearing my voice, that what we've talked about here will indeed be helpful and instructive, inspiring, that they'll ponder these things and not just ponder them and go on, but ponder them and act upon them. God, won't you turn us into a congregation with thousands of uh, battleship-like souls, not wispy canoes, with superficial, uh, uh, just barely held on to beliefs that have nothing to do with our behavior, our being and never have been brought into conformity. Lord, I pray that you would transform us, that those who are new in their spiritual journey would, uh, even now in the quietness of this moment, say, I want, I want this. I want to be in a relationship with you, Jesus. Not just a perfunctory, uh, f- f- formal sort of uh, distant acquaintance, but I want to be in a relationship with you the savior of my soul i pray god for those who have been well experienced even nodded knowingly at many of the things i said today but maybe have gotten away from those that even today could be sort of a refresher a rejuvenator and would uh, bring us back to what we know that we know that we know and that we might prioritize it um with greater fervency. Won't you meet with us? Because that's really the prize. Not just the doing of it, but the encounter in it. That's what makes all the difference when we really do hear from you and feel the nudgings of your spirit. Won't you meet with us, Lord? This week I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Welcome to Postscript. Here we hope to answer your questions and help you dig deeper into the messages and sermons at FaithBridge by talking with the teacher of the day. Hi, and welcome to Postscript. I'm Luann Riley, Grow Group and Discipleship Director, and I'm here with Pastor Ken, who just brought part two of Resolve for More, and today we talked about the discipline of prayer Prayer. and how that can affect our soul, how we can connect with God through it. Um, And through a series of illustrations, you taught us how important that connection is. And then you walked us through um, just an example or a model of what prayer time can look like. Um, I'm just going to ask you just a few questions that I think come up when we talk about prayer. Um, One of those being is I think that even even I, and it's pretty common to feel like maybe I'm not qualified to pray. Yeah. Like, how that I'm actually going to talk to God? Yeah. Isn't that something that like pastors do? Sure.
2: (laughs) Sure. Right. Yeah. Well. Right. And 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 here's the little uh, secret, uh, the unknown secret behind the curtain. Pastors feel that way too. Um, And uh, especially when we're new at it, and I remember becoming a pastor and and somebody came and asked me uh, some questions about prayer. And I thought, good night, what are you asking me for? What do I know? But I think this is where I tried to emphasize and we'll say it again here, wait a second. What was Jesus starting with? Mm -hmm. Ordinary, uneducated men. They were just, they, laborers fishermen you know and but what transformed them the time that he spent with them and really if you look at many of the great uh heroes of the faith um cer- certainly just even if you never got out of the bible and just looked at a lot of the heavy hitters in the bible what were they, they were all ordinary people they didn't start out mm in the stained glass windows being lifted up as now that is one serious Christian there, um, th- <laughs> they 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 grew into that. And so I think um, we have to just sort of re-preach that message over and over to ourselves. I think sometimes we feel that, even those of us who've been v- 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 Christians a long time, perhaps... Uh, the devil tries to get in the gears sometimes when maybe there's a need for some confession, mm-hmm. and maybe we know that we have uh, sinned against the Lord uh, by typically sinning against somebody who's in our life, uh, maybe our spouse or, or something at work. or And I notice in my own soul when I've done that or if I've you know, lost my patience with someone or, then I have to uh, almost put my hand on my back and push myself back for my next time of prayer because I can start to feel like, well, who are you? Mm -hmm. After that, good heavens, you're just, oh my gosh, you're not worthy at all to come into the presence of God. Well, this is where we remember uh first john 1 9 if we confess our sins he's He's faithful faithful. and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness and and so that's where we have to remind ourselves okay no this is who he started with they goofed it up they messed it up peter said i tell you cuss words i don't know that man jesus you know and what was jesus there doing after the resurrection saying, let's have breakfast and let's take another run at that. Mm. I wanna ask you something three times. And uh, you know, and so this is where we have to remind ourselves of God's grace and preach that message to ourselves uh, again and again and again as
1: well.
0: Okay, I think along the same lines sometimes we think there's a wrong way to pray Mm. and the right way to pray. And so you did show us one way today, but is there a wrong way to pray?
2: Right. Let me let me back into the that question. Just anticipating something that I heard even uh, after I preached the sermon, S-s-s- somebody said, "You know, I appreciated that you used that model. I've always used the ACTS mm-hmm. model of yep. praying: adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. That, that's the acrostic, and I could tell." Uh, maybe inherent in the question is, so do I have to punt that? And this is the only way. And let's be careful to say, whenever we're talking about spiritual practices, whether it's uh, s- s- prayer rhythms or like we were doing last week, the s- the soap rhythm, th- these are tools. Mm-hmm. Th- there's not only one tool. And if you don't use this tool, then you're out. No, these are tools. And Uh, Another person after the sermon said, you know, you didn't mention it at all, but something that helps me in my prayer life, especially if I feel like my soul is parched and dry and I haven't anything to say to God, to actually get one of the Book of Common Prayers, Mm -hmm. just the old uh, Book of Common Prayer. And just to read uh, some of the prayers of the greats who've come before us and to make their words my words. That's another tool. They don't have time to talk about all the tools. Now, having said that, let's just get down to brass tacks about, well, is there a wrong way to pray? I think Jesus addressed this at least in one situation I'm thinking about where he sort of threw the yellow flag of the referee on the Pharisees because what were they doing? Uh, they were standing, it says, in their flowing gowns and, and they would pray aloud and, and, and go on and on and on with a lot of words. And and because, why? Because they loved the limelight. Mm-hmm. There wasn't anything going on underneath the, underneath the waterline, but above the waterline, they sure made everybody feel like, wow, you are really spiritual people and you have really got it uh, down. And Jesus could look straight to their soul underneath the waterline and say, uh-uh, <laughs> disciples, that." is not what I'm talking about here. You don't need to get out in public and start pontificating. You don't need to go on and on and on and on and on and, on and just use these repetitious uh, phrases where your brain's just not even, you're just checked out. You're not even thinking about that. How is that a meaningful relationship if you're just talking on and on and on and on? Um, so I think that would be one or two ways that, that we could quickly say, okay, that we can be done with um uh I think though the 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 more prevalent challenge for many people that I know and who are here isn't that they're tempted to stand out on the street corner mm-hmm. and and act like hot shots spiritually or, or go on and on and on uh babbling phrases and stuff that mean v- 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 not so much to them it's just that we don't try it at all
1: yeah.
2: and we just sort of punt
1: mm-hmm.
2: um and so I think that's the wronger way. <laughs> it's to just not do it. <laughs> just not to show up and even give any effort yeah. uh, at it
0: okay. for us. So oftentimes um, when you talk about prayer, um, you, you also talk about fasting. It seems like sometimes those yeah. two disciplines sure. can go sure. together. Can yeah. you talk to me about the sure. role that those play?
2: Yeah, and we didn't get to get into that uh, today, but... Uh, sometimes one of the things that can help us experience more of God is to go with a little bit less of something that is otherwise very meaningful and important in our lives. And so this is where many of the, the heavy-hitting Christians throughout history have, uh, uh, you know, experimented with this rhythm or this practice of fasting, saying, I'm gonna go without food today. Why, because you wanna lose weight? No, I didn't have anything to do with that. Uh, um, Because I want more of God. And I'm gonna fill up the minutes that I would have just been eating. And I'm I'm gonna read more of God's word and think more on his thoughts and talk more with him. And so there's a practical reason it just, if you go without food, you've just bought yourself several more minutes every day. But then there's uh, an additional, uh, not so physical, tangible a reason. And that is um, not only have we opened up the minutes for uh, talking with the Lord, but we've created a deficit uh, Mm. in our soul that see, we can numb ourselves with anything, can't we? We can numb ourselves with food and just, I don't feel so good about myself, I'm going to eat a whole bag of this or a whole you know one of these and somehow we convince ourselves that's what our, or i'll just i'll drink this and this and this and this and this and, this, and that's going to make me feel better well no what if we said i'm not going to do that and i'm going to go towards what i really need deep down in my soul which is more of god um and so that's where the rhythm uh comes uh, on a practical note since we're talking about it um I think it's quite noble uh, and exciting and um, inspiring when I see somebody who's f- taken a undertaken a 40-day fast where you just go with no food for 40 days, only water or maybe water and some sort of uh, uh, juice. Vegetables juiced or fruits juiced, or just to get some basic uh, nutrients. Um, I've never gone that far. The longest I have ever experimented with fasting was a week, and I will say I experienced more of God mm-hmm. at, the, uh, at the by the end of that week. I would also say Suzanne would say I was mighty irritable. Uh, is, and that's something that fasting does, is it brings out the fleshliest uh, parts of our, uh, our real self and sort of exposes them. And you have the choice, am I going to give in to those or yield those to the Holy Spirit because of this deficit that I've created by my own volition? Um, and uh, so, so that's the challenge. I would encourage anybody who is curious about fasting or interested in it, Start with a one-meal fast. Say, um, I'm going to take off lunch, mm-hmm. and I'm just going to pray through my lunch time. And uh, that isn't going to kill much of anybody. Y- if you do have hypoglycemia, you may need to watch that just a little bit and talk to your doctor and make sure. Um, you know, the woods faint or something like that. But, but maybe start there, and then if you have experimented with that, Uh, for a a few times, then maybe try a 24-hour fast where you eat dinner um, the night before, and then you don't eat breakfast. You don't break your fast with breakfast, and you don't have lunch, but then you come back at dinner um, as well. Now you've created two uh, deficits where you can meet with the Lord. Um, And there's all sorts of good things that come from uh, that discipline. Even talking about it makes me feel a little bit convi- convicted because I've not been using that, that rhythm or that practice lately. Um, and But I have in the past. And... Uh, so, good question.
0: Good. So, as you walked us through the model, um, you talked talk through basically what we say to God. We mm. talked through how we pray to God. But then there's an, also a portion that, for me, is harder, and I think for most pe- people it's harder, is when we're listening, sure. we're receiving, yeah. and we're getting still and quiet so that we can also hear from, hear the, from Lord the Lord in this two-way conversation. Yes, um, how do I know in these moments if I've heard from the Lord?
2: Sure. Trial and error. (laughs) Um, You know. uh, Is it audible? No, heavens no. Well, I mean, it could be, I suppose. For some people. For some people in the Bible. Bible. uh, Not for me. I've never heard an audible word from the Lord. But I have, uh, I guess, sort of a, a two or three grids that I'm always asking myself, if I felt a nudging or a prompting or a thought that came to me even while I was praying and saying, uh, Lord, what is it uh, that I need to uh, repent of and confess to you and ask forgiveness of? If you sit silently just for a minute, he will bring to mind a thought Face of someone, you'll be like, "Oh, I hadn't thought about that," and but then you remember I've already surrendered. <laughs> I'm going of stuck, and um, so I'm going to do what I need to do. I think um, a lot of it is is just l- trial and error. Uh, three things that I'm always looking at is what I'm feeling to do. If that, and I just illustrated it in a negative way. But what if he's saying, "I want you to go and, and start a new church"? Well, that's kind of a big thing, and I had one of those. Um, Well, what am I checking it against? I'm checking it against uh, prior experiences that I've had that felt similar to when I did this and that panned out, or when the Lord nudged me here and that panned out. But you can't afford possibly to be governed just by experiences. Mm -hmm. That can be a dangerous uh, thing, and you'll miss on those. So then I look at God's word. I'm saying, God, is this biblical? Well, certainly it would appear to be biblical to uh, go into all the world, make more disciples. And, and how do we do that? We do that in churches. And and, and, and then in community, that's a mm-hmm. third litmus test. I have some brothers uh, in the Lord and have for years who I try things out on. Let me just try this one out on you and you tell me I'm crazy or you think God may very well be in that and we need to give that one some, some serious consideration. Well, in my example of starting a church, I, I, I felt that confirmation in all three of these um, you know, litmus tests. And um, the good thing about hearing from the Lord is that now I can say this at 50, if you will um, engage You get better at it than you were when you were forty, than you were when you were thirty, than you were when you were twenty. You actually do. There is a trial and error thing because I look back and at first I, boy, I was kind of clumsy, and I'd go charge it out and say, "Well, the Lord told me to," and then "Ah, that turned into nothing. I'm like, "Okay, note to self." that wasn't the voice of the lord that was your hubris or your pride or the pizza that you ate last late late last night or you know whatever it was but that wasn't the voice of the lord mark that down uh so that you can learn to differentiate or discern um
0: i uh loved what you said in there about um testing it against god's word and in community and Even last week, as we talked about reading God's word, all of these things are, they're they're all together. You can't do the Bible reading Mm -hmm. and not have the prayer or have the prayer and not do the Bible reading that they, it takes all of them to, to grow. Um,
2: Even this past week, uh, one of the mornings I said to myself, oh, I don't really want to spend time with the Lord. Why? Well, I got so much stuff up. Well, but, you know, you did preach a sermon about it, so you probably ought to go ahead and spend some time. You know, and so I looked up my verses for the day, and I began to read. I didn't get one whole chapter in, and this verse just uh, jumped out at me. And uh, so within a few minutes, I'm writing about that verse and making my little observations and my application, which was a big application, and then my prayer and and I gave it a title at the end, Um, like I talked about last Sunday. And I got up from that time and said, aren't you glad to myself that you did draw near the Lord or else you would have missed what he was wanting to say to you Mm
1: -hmm. today.
0: Yep. If you missed last week's sermon on Bible reading, let us encourage you to go back sure. and um, listen to that message as today built upon the prayer piece yeah. of your daily time. And yeah. so um, looking forward to next week. Yeah. We'll see you back here next week. Thanks. Thank you for joining us for Postscript. We'll see you back here next week as well.